social history with absolutely no tasting notes. I'm Tim and I'm joined by my drinking buddy Leary. What are we serving today? I am drinking a gin and tonic with ice as you can probably hear. Mm-hmm, I can. Pretty uh, nice. It's a bit of a tenuous link but um, the tonic water I've used in this is tonic water that I have helped develop with my company and along <gasps> the way... Free advertising. There were lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fails. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So many fails. With the oh. flavour, with the recipe, with the labels, with the machine, with a lack of fizz, with at one point all the stock turning a nice colour of piss. <laughs> Just lots of things. <laughs> lots of things went wrong oh, with this tonic water. But now it's tasty and delicious. Mm. Yeah, now it's legit drinkable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in, in honour of your many failures um, as a person, we have decided <laughs> to call this episode Whoopsies! <laughs> Looking at various uh, mistakes and accidents, etc. that may have happened in the world of drinks. Um, you tell me what I'm drinking for this episode. Um, you are drinking a, oh, let me get my notes from last week. (laughs) (laughs) I've already forgotten. (laughs) Darkness, darkness at the edge of town, a porter cocktail. Thank you. Yes, as promised last episode when we talked about porter and you suggested a cocktail, which includes porter and gin uh, and apple and orange juice and ice that I would give it a go. Mm. So um, you might say it's not strictly related to whoopsies, but actually, as we found out at the end of last episode, uh, probably the biggest whoopsie uh, in, in drinks history, that enormous exploding vat of porter, I've managed to tie it back to that. So I, I think that's um, legit. I and know we don't do Also, thank notes, you. Yes. But I would like well, to know what it tastes like. Do you know what? It tastes like if you got some porter and you put gin and Aperol in it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which I'm not being entirely facetious. You know, sometimes when you mix drinks, it has a new persona. Mm -hmm. This does not. (laughs) I can taste all the individual components. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's perfectly pleasant. But I can taste all the individual components still. It doesn't quite blend to me. People were raving about that Um, online. Oh, well. Yeah. I think it probably depends what varieties you use as well. Like, it, I'm sure it can vary tremendously in terms of flavour, so perhaps I just haven't mixed the right things in the right levels. But it's fine. It's going down. Well, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying my G&T. Good. Shall I, um, shall I kick off proceedings and um, maybe we do a bit of to and froing? Please do. All right, I'm going to oh. start in Canada. Um, okay. Home of the whoopsie. No, I don't know. Um, so anyway, what Canadian brewery <laughs> called Hell's Basement is where I want to begin. 
and they created a New Zealand pale ale, which they named Huru Huru. Um, now, someone who actually spoke uh, to Reo Maori uh, commented on that choice of name. Uh, they said that most people, most Maori, would use the word huru huru as a reference to pubic hair. <laughs> <laughs> so this person, this this married uh, Tehamu and Nikora, said, "If you are selling leather, call it leather. Don't call it pubic hair unless you're selling pubic hair, and don't call beer pubic hair unless you make it with pubic hair." <laughs> I think it's good advice. I don't think I'd like beer with pubic hair. No, but I feel like that's probably something we, we covered on a previous episode. Um, he basically said, look, if you're not a Maori business, don't use the language to promote your products. Mm-hmm. Um, that is appropriation. Um, Hell's, the Hell's Basement... The yeah, exactly. The Hell's Basement co-founder um, said, uh, we thought Huru Huru meant feather. Uh, and didn't realise it was a reference to pubic hair. <laughs> So we did not realise this is this is classic. We've got to write a response, folks. Uh, we did not realise the potential to offend through our artistic interpretation, and given the response, we will attempt to do better in the future. He said it was not the company's intent to infringe upon, appropriate, or offend the Maori culture or people in any way. To those who feel disrespected, we apologise. We also do not think pubic hair is shameful. Though we admit it may not go well with beer. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. As, um, as a person of the marketing persuasion, what do you think to that response? <laughs> That's a terrible response. <laughs> it's full of really weak terms like we're going to do better. <laughs> nah, it's not good enough. Sorry if you... You, you massively fucked up. <laughs> Sorry if you felt disrespected Sorry, I'll do better. by our inability yeah, to ask I'm... a single Maori yeah. person what this word meant. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I u- I use that phrase to people on social media who are just generally being annoying dickheads. <laughs> I'm sorry you feel that way. Always. I'm sorry you feel that way. Mm-hmm. They are not the yeah, not not a good response. They are not the only drinks manufacturer to have fallen foul of Tereo translations. So uh, Coca Cola had a go <laughs> using it. Oh. Um, they had a Coke vending machine which had the words Kia ora, mate. So Kia ora, as you may know, is a is a Maori greeting. I think we've spoken about that before on the um what was it? Tiki, the Tiki episode. And mate is obviously a down under phrase for friend. So they were trying to bring the two together. Hello, mate. Unfortunately, mm. mate does have a Tereo translation which is death. <laughs> so oh, their Coke vending machine said, hello, death. <laughs> <laughs> Nihilist Coca-Cola. Oh, I love it. I just love it when people get translations so bad. Yes. Uh, well, I've got another one from Canada while we're here. If you are in Canada and you happen to find yourself in Newfoundland, why not visit the Dildo Brewery? <laughs> it's set on a beautiful I, I looked at the pictures on Facebook it's a beautiful lakeside setting the TripAdvisor reviews say nothing satisfies like a dildo <laughs> <laughs> it's emblazoned across the cans dildo brewing <laughs> and oh I want one I definitely want one um, and this is I mean this is a bit dark but 
So I looked on their Facebook page at the images, and as I say, it looks like a really good brewery. They have delicious sounding beers, and it's very beautiful. Um, the the town of Dildo has decided that it was definitely a good idea to have like a Hollywood sign <laughs> for their town. <laughs> so there's a big there is a big sign in their town saying Dildo in big white letters, and. I would I'm, never put anything on the spreadsheet as quick as this in my life. I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> um, you tell me whether you think this, what I'm about to say, should make the cut or not. But I was on their Facebook page, and because of the terrible things that are obviously going on in Europe at the moment, lots of monuments around the world have been lighting up with the Ukrainian flag, and they've done it with their town sign. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Seemingly unironically, they have plastered the Ukrainian flag all over the dildo sign. And they're like, like supportive messages, but I'm like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Is that the image you want? But then I thought, do you know what? If I was in that situation, it would make me laugh. <laughs> yeah, it would make me so happy. Yeah. Seeing, you know, my national colours up in dildo lights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's all go to dildo and have yeah. a beer. Uh, right, over to you. <laughs> Uh, I've got another translation fail, actually. Mm. Um, and it's right here in Wales. Ooh, good. Um, and it was actually Asda that fo- fell foul to this. <laughs> Poor old Asda. <laughs> um, it was in a Combran store. So Combran is not far from Cardiff. It's kind of between Cardiff and the bridge. Um They'd got a translator to um, help with the signage that sits above the aisles in the supermarket because obviously we'll have them in in Welsh and English here in Wales. Mm-hmm. And it was the alcohol-free section where things went a bit pear shift. Um, so the Welsh translation for alcohol-free beer is de-alcohol. So de meaning no, dim. D-I-M is no, but sometimes you have to cut the... Uh, Constant off because we're Welsh and we do what we want. <laughs> so de-alcohol is no alcohol. Uh, but unfortunately, the translator had put alcohol and them, which is meaning free alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yay! So <laughs> you were met with a massive sign at the end of your Asda shop in the alcohol section that just says, free booze! <laughs> um yeah, everyone got very excited, uh, and Asda quickly came back and said, "Sorry, sorry, no, it's no, no free booze, but uh, rest assured, we've got some great products." Oh, shut up! I would. I would take them to the advertising <laughs> standards agency and get my free booze. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that was my first quick, uh, quick fire translation fail for you there. Nice, oh, I liked it. Thank you. So I, when I um I worked at the civil service for a while and anything we wrote we had to send to get translated into Welsh and they were forever, you know we were forever hearing about mistakes that were being made, like um one person had e- emailed a translator and got on their auto reply, you know which was just mm-hmm. kind of like sorry I'm away um, you'll have you know you have to get yeah. in touch on this date or whatever and whoever got the translation back didn't know what it said just used it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that would go on a sign oh, somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I did it. I, when I was working in a gambling company way back at the start of my career in marketing, I um, I was working for an online betting company based in Sweden, and they did lots of advertising in um, Scandinavian countries and 
ice hockey was like a really big deal there and lots of people like to like to bet on them and so it was like some massive ice hockey championship that month and they were offering all kinds of like free bets and you know incentives for people to gamble on the ice hockey um and so i created this banner that went across all these different websites and up in the towns as well that said um more hockey the more hockey than you can shake a stick at um and we had like two ice hockey sticks mm-hmm. crossed next to it so yeah i thought pretty proud of that pen more hockey than you can shake a stick at but it was in i want to say denmark again mm-hmm. <laughs> um there's an exact phrase for the act of shaking your penis after you've um had a wee and you shake the wee off the end of your willy for some reason that more hockey than you could shake a stick at directly translated to shaking your willy after a wee in Denmark and that was up in all the towns. I mean that's excellent that's going to get more attention than it would have otherwise also I feel like that's a really useful word to have I want to know what it is I'm going to adopt it um find out but uh thank you please do it's in my portfolio proud of it so in 2019 there was a lorry carrying 32,000 litres of gin that got involved in a crash and began leaking its cargo all over the M6 carriageway. Um, fortunately, this was not like last time when I told you about the beer flood. There were no injuries. We're okay. We can laugh. Um, of course, cue everyone saying it was a tragedy, that they didn't have a straw. I'm including this one just for the puns that are coming up. So people tweeting, gin all over the road. Suck it up. Gin and bear it. <laughs> was it in the slow lane? <laughs> and then this pretty good tweet that came from Nantwich Police. <laughs> Last night's major gincident, which is a hashtag by the way, was on the rocks for a while, but after plenty shaking and even more staring, the M6 is back open. Tankeray, no one was seriously injured, and everything's now been swept away. Swept. Amazing. <laughs> that's a lot of someone put a lot of thought into that one they were on the night shift <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i've got another sort of traffic incident to tell you which is sort of not funny but also funny again no one was injured so we can laugh but there's um i won't name her but there's an accountant that was cleared of drink driving after claiming that she necked two pints of vodka to calm herself down after crashing her mercedes so apparently she offered the, uh, she, she crashed into this other person, offered the other driver a thousand pounds while unsteady on her feet and then sped away from the scene just before the police arrived. Officers traced her to her home an hour later where a breath test though showed that she was four times over the legal alcohol limit. But at the magistrate's court... She was cleared of drink driving after she claimed she'd consumed the two pints in just 15 minutes at the home of her best friend immediately after the crash. The friend who poured her the drink said it it was a lot of vodka and a bit of coke and claimed she would never have let her friend drive as she was godmother to her children. Oh, of course. (laughs) She actually got away with that. (laughs) That's horrible. Yeah. I'm not going to name who it is or where it is. Or any of that business, <laughs> but I just thought that's absolutely shocking. Yes, I drank two pints of vodka in fifteen minutes after I crashed, <sighs> but apparently that that tactic works in the courts. So um, that's fine, okay, yeah. right, noted. Yeah. 
I would like to talk about Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Um, namely, a beer advert. Uh, so their beer, the Republica Pariela Pilsner beer. Uh, they did an advert in 2015. So you know those like massive billboard ads that you get on the highway. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a big, huge one. And they were running it in the summer and they wanted to just basically encourage people to enjoy um, their beer when they were having their barbecues that summer. And so they created this really nice display, which was like a big bottle of beer and then a huge kind of like fork skewer type thing with a massive sausage on the end of it. Okay. It looked really (laughs) impressive and it was massive. See where this is going. Um, So if you were traveling towards it, it looked fine. It was like, yeah, massive bottle of beer and a massive sausage. But if you were driving in the other direction, mm-hmm. you couldn't actually see the design. All you could see was the kind of big grey back of the billboard, <laughs> absolutely yeah. nothing on it, and just this massive phallic sausage sticking out <laughs> into the highway out of nowhere. Um, a lot of people said they did it on purpose. Probably did. Um, yeah, good on them. If you just Google Costa Rican beer sausage advert, you'll see it. Those, I mean, those are some pretty unique search terms. I'm sure you'll get that. <laughs> so what else you'd find yeah. in those search terms? <laughs> Let us know, because I'm intrigued <laughs> if you find anything other than that. <sighs> um, so from massive sausage dildos on the highway, uh, going to go a bit serious, Heineken. Uh, they got in a lot of trouble um, for a campaign for their Heineken light beer. Uh-huh. So they had a very glamorous advert uh, for the Heineken light beer where a barman opens the beer, he slides the bottle down the bar and um, it passes several people. Now, a lot of th- there's a lot of arguments and debate online whether this was intentional or not, but the beer slides down and passes several people of colour and then it is grabbed by a white woman and the words um, sometimes lighter is better appears Oof. on the screen. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was very, very badly thought out. You'd think that this would be like, you know, some something that happened in the 90s that they've like been called up on now, but this was actually in 2018. You'd think that in 2018, the marketing managers would be a bit more savvy to what, shit like that. What country did you say it was? <laughs> um, I'm not sure, but there was a lot of outrage in the US. So I want to say the US. Wow. Because, um, like Chance the Rapper went on some massive kind of like rant about it, about how um, he was sick of seeing companies. He claimed that companies were doing these kind of like subliminally racist adverts not to be racist but to get a bit more engagement and people talking about their adverts and he was like that's not okay mm-hmm. um i don't know i i feel like a company of that size wouldn't be kind of intentionally a little bit racist just to get some attention <laughs> um i don't know it, it, was <laughs> it was very badly thought out if they didn't do it on purpose then just get better marketing managers yeah, I remember so, being yeah. very aware of that sort of stuff when, um, <clears throat> not only when I worked in marketing myself and we were selling kind of beauty products and stuff, but also my current job in uh, diversity and inclusion is talking to people about those kinds mm-hmm. of unconscious things where they 
a lot of beauty products will talk about lightening your skin and brightening your skin and all this all this kind of rhetoric which thankfully now people are becoming very aware of in the west but it's still really really super prevalent in particularly in eastern markets in asian markets where not only is it subtle but they those same companies that in these countries say you know we are we are anti-racist and we all this actively sell products to bleach people's skin in in mm. asia Mm. And they don't see a problem mm. with that. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> there really is. Mm-hmm. There really is. You can't blame custom, customer <laughs> demand on your choices as a company. Yeah, that's shocking. Yeah. Okay. So I, uh, we want something else. <laughs> yeah, I think we should move away from racism. Okay. I mean, I'll try, but I promise nothing. Um, <laughs> oh, here we go. Beer brand Miller Lite uh, is my next one. Um, don't worry, it's, it's nothing to do with it being light or racist. They released some candles. <laughs> We're in safe territory here, I think. They released three limited edition candles with scents that were intended to replicate those found in a bar or a beer garden. <laughs> so the scents oh, were God. Dive Bar, Beer Garden and Game Day. <laughs> so oh, Christ. Dive Bar no. is a mix of musk, tobacco, pine and yeast aromas and is intended to evoke <laughs> dim lights, a faint glass clinking, and the sinus clearing sensation of a puddle that somehow exists indoors. No. <laughs> Meanwhile, Beer Garden <laughs> combines green moss, warm pretzel, cracked wood, and sunblock scents to represent a day spent outdoors as the scent of tropical sunscreens mixes with the staple garden eats that fill the air. And then Game Day is salted peanut, jalapeno, cracked leather aromas. Jesus Christ. I thought when you gave me those three names, they'd at least try and romanticise them a bit and make them nice, but they all sound awful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to smell any of that. That's very much why I put it in the whoopsies. What I will say in their defence <laughs> is this is an idea they had kind of after a year of lockdown when everything was closed and people weren't able to... Um, to go into these spaces anymore and they were selling them online and the money raised went to the United States bartenders guild and Canadian hospitality industry so there was like a good intention behind it <laughs> but I do wonder how many of them they actually ended up selling because they sound repugnant <laughs> bloody hell choices uh, I got another one for you so uh, there were mm-hmm. there were two beer makers who decided that they were going to hold an event. It was going to be um, a boozy party uh, in a brewery. And so they advertised it online and just called it Piss Up In A Brewery. Um, However, (laughs) they forgot to apply for a booze license. (laughs) Oh, dear. And so the event had to be moved. <laughs> they said, the pub has been kind enough for us to move the event into the beer garden, so I hope you repay their kindness by eating lots of burgers. We trust this won't cause anyone too much inconvenience and apologise for literally not being able to organise a piss-up in a brewery. <laughs> we, we would just have to call it a piss-up near a brewery. <laughs> Dear me. One job, literally. Yeah, you had that one job. Back, back to you. <laughs> 
Um, I'm going to talk about Coca-Cola, actually. Mm. I know we've mentioned them already, mm-hmm. but they're pretty good at getting things wrong. Yes, they are. Um, so, do you know much about the whole new Coke saga? Yeah. Because I, I think <laughs> I'm a little bit too young. It's just because um, of time. What are you saying? <laughs> you throwing shade? You, you old. You old, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> in my day, it had real cocaine in it. It's one of those things where I've heard it actually on other podcasts. I've heard people talk about the whole new Coke thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd never really read into it. So for the purpose of whoopsies, I read into it. Um, so, yeah, it was back in 1985. Um, Coca-Cola thought that their brand needed strengthening, uh, mainly because Pepsi, they were just gaining a lot of market share. Coke were getting a little bit worried. Pepsi had also launched um, a massive campaign called the Pepsi Challenge, where they were getting people to blind test um, Pepsi versus Coke. And um, Pepsi was coming out tops. People just seemed to prefer the flavour of Pepsi. Um, Coca-Cola spent a fortune and did loads of testing themselves internally, focus groups. They went above and beyond. And, yeah, much to their dismay, they were finding the same results. People preferred the taste of Pepsi. Um, So after all this market research and innovation, they were like, yeah, we we need to change the recipe. So the recipe hadn't been touched in its kind of, since its inception. It had always been the same recipe, Coca-Cola. So they just went all out. And in 1985, in April, they just announced a new formula. They said, we're getting rid of the old recipes, getting locked in a vault, never to be seen again. This is new Coke. Um, it was the chairman and the CEO of the company um, gathered in New York City's Lincoln Center to do this massive press announcement. And they promised a smoother, rounder, yet bolder flavor. Um, but at the same time, everyone was a bit like, is it that great? Is it going to be that great? A lot of the press were already kind of, you know, given a taste of it, were saying it just tastes sweeter. It just tastes like Pepsi. Um, don't see what's so brilliant about this. Um, it was a bit awkward, really, because the CEO or the chairman were there in this press release toasting with these cans of new Coke. But all the while, it was already bombing. Um, on the New York Stock Exchange, shares were dropping. And all the while, Pepsi shares were rising. Pepsi actually gave their staff a day off to celebrate because they were like, this is brilliant. <laughs> Coke have just shot themselves <laughs> in the foot. Um, and yeah, it, it just didn't go well at all. Um, within weeks of the announcement, the company was getting about 5,000 phone calls a day from people saying how ha- unhappy they were that the old recipe had gone. Uh, by June, that number had grown to 8,000 calls a day. They had to hire extra operators to deal with it. Um, some of the quotes I found of the uh, complaints I had, I don't think I'd be more upset if you were to burn the flag in our front yard. <laughs> Whoa. People were That's an American pissed. as well. <laughs> <laughs> like we wouldn't care, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 79 days after the initial announcement, uh, they held a press conference. It was July the 11th, 1985. Uh, to just announce that they were doing a complete U-turn and Coke was coming back. Coca-Cola classic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They said, our boss is the consumer. We want them to know we're really sorry. 
uh, Coca-Cola Classic, as they dubbed it, quickly then outsold the new Coke within a month, a couple of months, uh, and just went straight back into the number one selling sugar cola ahead of Pepsi, which again brought people to kind of say, was this all a, a PR stunt? Did mm -hmm. they do it on purpose just to get people's interest back? Um, they did do um, a re-release of a very limited run of New Coke in 2019, but since then it's not really uh, it's not really made a comeback. There are rumours that Diet Coke is actually New Coke, but um, <laughs> Coca-Cola have never actually said yes or no. They have um, said though that um, cynics say we planned the whole thing. The truth is, we're not that dumb and we're not that smart. So, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you what your thoughts were on that because that that's mostly what I know about New Coke. I, I, you know, as someone who has kind of worked around the sphere of marketing before, I remember that lesson mm -hmm. quite early on that if you've got a stagnating product, what you can do is change it for the worst for a short period of time, and then everyone's glad when it comes back. And you see it done quite a lot with chocolate bars, with cereals, with things like that. So I was wondering, I mean, they, they said it's not intentional, but what do you think? I think the fact that they spent so much money on the taste testing and innovating the new flavour and not actually asking people, how would you feel if we just wiped out classic Coke as you know it today? I mean, it seems odd that they didn't look at that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it's... I don't know. It's a funny one. I'd have understood if they'd have introduced new Coke and kept classic Coke. It's just such a big jump that yeah. part of me thinks that, yeah. That was the was plan all along. They, they are very clever brand people at Coke. I feel like they know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back to me, is it? Back to you. Um, thank you. Back to you in the studio. Right, so I'm going to serve you some David Attenborough next. Um, I want to talk to you about a ladybird. So this is a big whoopsie that um, humanity seems to commit over and over again, which is introducing um, uh, like biological control agents, like for invasive species into places, and then it messes with the ecosystem. So this is one that happened in North America and also Middle Europe where the harlequin ladybird um, was spread over the countries and it was to, because ladybirds eat parasites, so they, they get introduced to uh, take over green fly and all that sort of stuff. However, unforeseen problem for both wine growers and also households. Um, the ladybird winters, likes to winter indoors, so it enters private homes, and people have allergic reactions to both its bite and its odour. And then during harvests, these uh, little beetles feed on grapes and get crushed in with them during the processing, um, which re releases hemolymph into the grape must. And the hemolymph of ladybirds contains these specific substances um, called pyrazines. And these are responsible for um, like really altering smell and taste of wine. And... You know, when people taste this in the wine and they're like, that's that's not right. That's a pyrazine off note. It's called ladybird taint. <laughs> a 
want it. But I thought you'd like thought you'd like that one. Um, it was it's it's a really bad problem actually. I mean, in the nineteen seventies and eighties, in fact, um, it infested so much of German wine that it came to have kind of reputation as being really poor quality. It was so contaminated with um, seven points. Uh, ladybird actually cochinella septum punctata um and it wasn't considered a hazard at the time they didn't really know about it but they just thought oh german wine is terrible i feel to some extent that reputation still persists like i know a lot of people who think that german germany doesn't have good wine i think it's from the 70s and 80s when they started importing it and they're like oh tastes off it's because they were tasting the taint of ladybirds <laughs> lady taints yeah exactly but as bad as that was, this harlequin ladybird that got introduced, it has a hundredfold higher quantity of pyrazine than uh, the one that in- infected the German ones. So if you find it in your vineyard, it's a really bad problem. <laughs> um, tipsy buffaloes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just I was pausing to see if you had any any thoughts. Um, so tipsy buffaloes blew the cover of um, an illegal liquor sash in India, and that's because they were drinking from water from the trough, which was being used to hide bottles of moonshine. Uh, police managed to seize uh, a total of 101 bottles of um, the moonshine from the buffalo's stable, and three farmers got arrested for the illegal selling of alcohol because we're in Gujarat, which is a dry state in India. Uh, what happened What happened was one of the farmers uh, called the vet because buffaloes had stopped eating and were apparently frothing at the mouth. Um, and then the following day, the same buffaloes were jumping all around the place, were vigorously jumping around the stable. Uh, and so the farmer felt like they needed to call out another vet. And then they know that second vet noticed a strange smell coming from the buffalo's trough <laughs> and found that the water inside had turned a curious shade of yellow. Uh, the farmers said that it was branches that had fallen into the water, uh, but no, it was that vet that reported them to the authorities. You kind of have to wonder, though. It's like you called in someone to ask about this problem. You didn't think to check your own supply. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, drunk buffalo snitching. <laughs> give the vet a load of moonshine and pay him off yeah. exactly um, similar territory picture it it's dark it's windy it's rainy and we're in more or less Gothenburg in Sweden and some guy actually Per Johansson is his name um, he's coming home and he said, it was raining really badly. In the wind, I heard something screaming with a very dark voice. Are you spooked yet? No. I At first, I wondered... Is it me? <laughs> <laughs> Am I in the drama? <laughs> it could have been you. Was I there? Is this a story about me? Uh, at first, he says, At first, I wondered if it was the crazy neighbours, which was you, I guess. But then I heard it again and went and checked. I saw something really big up in a tree in my neighbour's yard and it was a moose. I mean, it still could be me. (laughs) (laughs) It says it must have been drunk after eating fermented apples. And as it was reaching out for more fruit, it must have slipped and fallen into the tree. Mm. (laughs) The, um, The fire service said that when they arrived, they used a winch to bend down the apple tree so the moose could get themselves out of it. 
and once free, the moose collapsed on the ground and fell asleep. <laughs> so we, we let him sleep it off and went back home. Apparently he slept for like a whole day. Oh, should have got him a kebab. They say moose are attracted by the apple trees. And in the autumn, when the apples have fallen off the trees, we normally have at least one of these cases of intoxication. These apples, which ferment in their bellies, aren't part of the natural food. So they can get quite angry from this drunkenness. <laughs> Drunk angry moose. Um, that's another one that I would recommend if you want to go and Google drunk moose. The pictures are really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing that the moose was fine. It's just, how did it get up that tree? It's it's such an image. It's amazing. Bless him. It's back to me. You're done with pissed animals. Yeah, for now. <laughs> Um, So I found a really nice collection of vintage alcohol adverts that are just not appropriate anymore. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, The first one was an advert from the 1950s for a Milwaukee beer called Schlitz. Uh, And so the ad shows a hopeless, pretty housewife. Uh, she's in the kitchen, she's in a lot of distress. She's got a handkerchief to her face because she's in floods of tears. And she's Can I just got... say, by the way, if if <laughs> if the sort of howling in the dark and the wind on drunk apples was you, what you're describing is me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think you're a hopeless housewife. You're a good I'm the, No, I'm, it's true, I'm very proficient, but I will hold a handkerchief to my face in shock. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's crying rather than shock. She's like, oh, I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's crying she's got a hanky to her face in her other hand she's got a, a pan that's smouldering full of burnt food um, and her breadwinner husband stood there in his suit he's clearly just come home from work and was expecting dinner on the table but she's burnt it and she's crying and to console her he's pointing at the beer on the table going oh, anyway you didn't burn the schlitz so um, that was <laughs> look. He's got a point. <laughs> um, there was another one that made me laugh. Um, it's just a bit weird because you look at it, and you think, how is this even connected to Budweiser? Um, so it looks like something from like a famous five book it's like a nice illustration of a young girl and boy stood at a white picket fence with their dog pointing at a bus and there's just a text bubble next to them that says their hero arrives on the next bus it's all very very tenuous but it's essentially again breadwinner dad is coming home on the commuter bus and the kids and the dog are stood there waiting for him he's their hero and then there's a big chunk of text underneath describing this amazing man working hard all day. Uh, but it's the sexist advice to wives snugget in the middle uh, where it says, um, Advice to wives. One of home's greatest charms for daddy is the icebox, especially when well stocked with Budweiser and other good things. It gives the busy man about time the urge to be a gracious man about house. So... <laughs> Essentially, make sure you've got the beers in or you won't come home. <laughs> don't don't pretend you don't feel the same. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to come home if there isn't booze in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, another one's 
slightly older. I have got the date on this, but it looks pretty 90s. There are two young women jogging on the beach in tiny little bikinis with their bums on show. Um, and there's a quote underneath, so it kind of suggests that they're chatting whilst they're jogging down the beach, as you do. Um, and it says, he loves my mind and he drinks Johnny Walker. And then the strap line is, good taste is always an asset. So just lots of sleazy, <laughs> horrible puns in there. Yeah. Um, and then I'll finish up with another one that looks like the oldest of the lot. I'd say this is probably late 40s, early 50s again. Um, it's just a black and white ad with um, a young mum cradling her baby. And the headline is, How Mother and Baby Picked Up. Um, a case of Blatt's beer in your home means much to the young mother and is obviously ba- and obviously baby participates in its benefits too. The malt in the beer supplies nourishing qualities that are essential at this time and the hops act as an appetising, stimulating tonic. So yeah, so mum and baby drink Blatt's beer. Good advice, good tips. Yeah. I can't honestly say I disagree with any of them. Yeah, if you're breastfeeding, <laughs> it's good hoppy beer. <laughs> I'm I'm old enough to remember that that was normal. I like even in the eighties. I don't know if it was an eighties thing or a Wales thing, but the whole like dip in the dummy and some whiskey was definitely a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there, there there was, and and that you should be drinking like stouts and stuff when you're. When you're pregnant or breastfeeding, because I'm not that's why. Not that old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as you've pointed out, a fair bit. Right. Um, are, are you done with all that stuff? That which there was nothing wrong with it. I think breastfeeding babies be errors where I'm going to stop. You're checking out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me uh, let me take you back to Sweden. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to Malmo, home of the disgusting food museum. Ooh. Is that a thing, or are like you just throwing shade? Yeah. No, no, no. This is really a thing. There's a disgusting food museum in Malmo. Um, I feel like you would definitely yeah. appreciate it, and it's going on the spreadsheet. Opening the spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm not going to tell you everything about the disgusting food, muse- food museum in general, because I feel like it could be a good resource for the future. But what I will tell you about for uh, this theme of whoopsies is um, Tongsil, which is... Now, it says here a traditional Korean medicine with 9% alcohol content. I'm going to already disclaimer this by saying, by traditional, they mean historic. This is not a tradition that they currently practice. You will not go to South Korea and find this, but it is in their history. (laughs) What it is, is (laughs) the poo of a human child between four and seven years old is refrigerated for three to four days. It's mixed with water, divided into smaller pieces, and fermented overnight. Are you with me so far? (laughs) I have no words. The vat with the poo starts to smell incredibly strongly of feces. Who'd have thought it? Even worse than the first day of fermentation. The poo-water mixture is poured... (laughs) I'd stop myself from gagging. Here we go. The poo water mixture is poured through a sieve (laughs) and it's mixed with 70% boiled non-glutinous rice, 30% glutinous rice and yeast. For me, the the worst bit of this whole thing was poured through a sieve. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, the non-glutinous rice contains a lot of protein, important for the fermentation process. The glutinous rice is there for its supposed anti-inflammatory and pain-relieving properties, as well as to improve the taste. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> want to get those nuts out. Yeah. The fermentation process activates the good bacteria and kills the bad bacteria. The resulting mixture is left to ferment for at least seven days in a clay pot wrapped in a blanket to maintain a temperature of 30 to 37 degrees. If not fermented enough, it's dangerous to drink. (laughs) But but when perfectly ripe, this alcoholic drink is claimed to cure pain, broken bones, bruises, inflammation and even epilepsy. Guys, take a paracetamol. Come on. The yellow brownish liquid is strained and looks like a combination of sewer slime and vomit, potentially with small pieces of poo still floating around. (laughs) The taste... (laughs) The taste is a bit sour and similar to rice wine. Poo wine has a... (laughs) Poo wine has a faint poo smell. (laughs) And can leave a poo smell on your breath. No. Oh, God. It contains about 9% alcohol. The smell and the visual appearance of this alcoholic drink are worse than the actual taste of it. Oh. Oh, dear. Okay. Um, A different production method for making poo wine is pouring soju, (laughs) because you need more than one method of making poo wine. Is to pour soju, a distilled grain alcohol Korean rice wine, into a pit of chicken, dog, and other animal feces or human feces. I'm done. <laughs> and to leave leave it for months to ferment. Medicinal herbs and cat bones were also added, supposedly to improve health. Um, what are your thoughts on? Um, is that going on the list or? Absolutely not. No, like. If this, I was expecting you to say it's going to cure like cancer or something. Like, why would you drink anything that drastic if it's not going to, if it's going to do something that like ibuprofen does? Why? Why? Just. I wouldn't even. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so there you go. I just want to reiterate once again, they do not drink poo wine in South Korea anymore. This is an historic recipe. <laughs> I'm so sad. I'm sad that that that's how because I've got nothing else to add to this podcast. So we're going to end this podcast on poo wine. No, we're not. I made it the penultimate <laughs> thing, so I left it right for the end, just in case anyone wanted to switch off. But I did feel like I needed another another non pooey note to end it on. So um, so here's here's what I've done. This is actually in a way it's a throwback to the previous episode. Because okay. it's a porter that I'm going to talk about. Right. Um, but also, it's if anyone was so deeply offended by the poo wine descriptions that they feel like they need to complain to us, this is the ending note for you. <laughs> so, Beals Brewery in Virginia launched um, a porter after receiving an email from an irate customer. So the what what happened was um, a person had been angry at staff members and um, because they were asking people to wear masks. This is like lo- uh, lockdown situations. So they were asking people to wear masks when they came into the tap room. Trolls went off on Facebook about it. 
In particular, this one email came in that said, Your manager is bitch. <laughs> and, and your beer tastes like hot old orange juice. I mean, they could have gone with poo wine, but there you go. Um, I'm sure you'll be familiar with the, the kind of um, wonderful literacy of people who write such emails. That oh, your manager is bitch is quite familiar. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what they decided to do was put it on a can. <laughs> yeah. So they launched their they launched their porter and called it Your Manager is Bitch. Yes. <laughs> and on the front of the can, they've put the manager in question, Brittany Canterbury, smiling on the front of the can. Brilliant. I love that. <laughs> they said that um they decided to to fight back uh <laughs> by putting uh, all the sort of explicit hate onto the beer. They said, we, we told the story on the can and printed the email verbatim, I suppose, to just make double sure you know the spelling. Well, the grammatical error was not theirs. <laughs> we made this beer mostly out of a deep abiding pettiness. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel is probably one of the best reasons for making a beer. It is great. So there we go. If you've got any, if you've got any complaints, we might turn it into a beer. Well, I like that Brewdog have this, like, I don't know if they still do it or if it was only in a select few bars, but they used to put negative TripAdvisor comments on the back of the t-shirts that they'd wear behind the bar. Um, yeah, I feel like probably that day has passed for Brewdog, you know? Probably. Um. Yeah, not having a great time. <laughs> All right, that was, uh, let's end my whoopsies. Anything, anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I'm still scarred from the poo wine. I'm honest. <laughs> and so our glasses have run dry, which means it's time to complain to the manager about the gincident with the moose. Cheers, everybody! Cheers! Wherever I may roam, or land or sea or home, you can always hear me sing in this song, show me the way to go home. I mean, I really did gag at the sieving. The, I think it's because I'm picturing my kitchen sieve and now I'm picturing it in my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs>